0: Om Sahna Vavatu Sahna Bhunaktu Sahavid Yankar Vavahai Te Om Shanthishanthishanti Namasri Shankarananda, Namasri Shankarananda, Guru Padam Bhujan Guru Padam Bhujan Mane, Savilasa Mahamoha, Savilasa Mahamoha, Grahagrasaika the afflictions of the body meaning how the pain is there as usual but the suffering is not there so we are distinguishing here it is said that there are three kinds of bodies we have one is called the gross body other is the subtle body and third is the causal body the gross body is that which is perceptible made up of flesh and blood that is the gross body It has its own afflictions, which is what we say there are three humors called dhatu. So dhatu vaishamyam or the imbalance of these humors is called disease. And therefore the body is subject to suffering on account of countless diseases that can arise as a result of imbalance of these humors. Okay, we know that many diseases there are there in the body. At the same time, there are other afflictions in the body such as the uh, bad bad odor, kurupatvam, deformity, daha, meaning inflammation, bhanga, uh-huh. fracture. So these other kinds of afflictions that are there in the gross body. These are the kind of afflictions are there in the gross body. <coughs> then second, we have what we call the subtle body, meaning the mind. And there are many afflictions in the subtle body, Or many afflictions the mind also what are they all these the states of the mind which create a lot of disturbance in our mind you know a lot of conflict or internal suffering like passion anger greed so these are the various afflictions of the mind which creates a lot of disturbance or a lot of pain internal pain at the same time so when these things occur it causes pain within ourselves And there are other things which when they do not occur also cause pain. For example, we have certain values, such as values for truthfulness, non-violence, self-control. And when we are not able to exercise these values, then also there is an internal pain. For example, I wish to control myself, as I said, I want to observe fast, I want to give up something, and I find I am not able to do that. So absence of certain values also causes internal pain. Absence of discipline, for example, if I have value for discipline. Absence of self-control, if I have value for self-control. So self-control, discipline, all of these, by their absence, create internal pain. And anger, passion, etc., by their presence, create the pain in the mind. Thus, in the mind also, which is what we call the subtle body, there are the afflictions which are unique or peculiar to that which are which are there in everyone. And thirdly, is what we call the causal body, which is the nature of ignorance. Now the sufferings occurring in the causal body, or ignorance, are rather difficult to describe, because when you are fast asleep, in deep sleep, really, there is no suffering. But still, there is what you call an intellectual suffering, all this suffering occurring as a consequence can be described that when I am fast asleep, I do not know anything. I do not know myself, nor do I know anything around me. And when I wake up in the morning, very often that causes pain in me. I, did you know what happened last night? I am sorry, I did not know. And very often when we find that we were deprived of certain knowledge, or we were deprived of certain participation, or we were deprived of a particular response that should have come from us uh, if had we been awake. That response did not come from us, that knowledge was not there and therefore we feel that we are deprived. And so that sense of deprivation or you know that this total, the deep sleep or total ignorance causes also can cause the pain in the mind. (coughs) And so these three bodies, gross, subtle and causal, each one of them has its afflictions or suffering that are peculiar to them. Now this far we discussed yesterday. Now continuing the discussion in the verse aha. And thus the author has described what are the kinds of afflictions that are there in these three bodies. Then Tesham Apariharyatum Aha. Now in the next verse it is said that these these afflictions are sufferings occurring in the three bodies are unavoidable you cannot avoid as long as the physical bodies so long the disease and deformity etc cannot be avoided as long as the mind is well anger etc or absence of self-control etc which often cause pain cannot be avoided as long as deep sleep is causal bodies so long a total blank or absence of any knowledge that occurs while i'm asleep Cannot be avoided. The idea is as long as these three bodies are there, whether they are for the wise man or the other wise man, these afflictions cannot be avoided, they are unavoidable. And this is being said in the verse 227. <speaking in Hebrew> <speaking in Hebrew> <speaking in Hebrew> तृषस्स्वाभाविकामतः तृषस्स्वाभाविकामतः वियोगे तु ज्वरयस्तानी वियोगे तु ज्वरयस्तानी शरीराण्येव नासते शरीराण्येव नासते तृषोपि शरीरेषु प्रतियमानः एते ज्वरः sarirehi shaha utpannatvena Swahavikaha sammataha says this, all these various afflictions are considered to be natural because they are born along with the body. Says vyādhigrastam kalevaram there is a saying in Sanskrit which says this kalevaram this body is vyādhigrastam always in the jaw of disease. And so when the, growth, when the body is born all the afflictions are born along with it. When the mind is there, all the afflictions are there along with it. When ignorance is there, all the afflictions are there along with it. So with the gross, subtle and the causal bodies, the afflictions which we just, just described are those which are born with them, natural with them, inherent in them. So, tesu api pratiyamanah, ete jvaraha, all these afflictions which are uh, experienced or which are perceived at these three levels, Shari Rehi Sahutpannatvena Since they are born along with the body, Swabhavikaha Samadaha They are considered to be inherent to these three bodies. Okay. How do you say that these afflictions are inherent, unavoidable, natural to them? Swabhavikattvam Vyatereka Mukhena Dhradi Author shows. So, in order to show some inherence, you can show how when one thing is not, the other thing cannot be, then you can say that they are always connected or associated with each other. So for example, clay is inherent in a part because the clay is the material cause of the part. And the part cannot be if the clay is not. And similarly also it is said Jvaristani <laughs> Sharirani he says, if none of these afflictions were not there in the body, the body itself would not be there. Meaning, the body cannot be without these inherent afflictions. <clears throat> and if these afflictions were not that, it can only happen that these afflictions are not there when the body is not Meaning, it can only happen that either the diseases of different kinds, or pains of different kinds, or deformities of different kinds, and all the odor, etc., associated with gross body, all of this will go only when the body goes. As long as the body is, one or more of these afflictions are going to be there. So we find, however, whoever's body it is, one or other of these afflictions is always found to be there. And if these afflictions are not there, the body cannot be, or they will not be only when the body is not. Tesham vyogesati when they are associated with this tani sharirani na asateva in fact the body itself will not be the idea is that these are unavoidable afflictions in the body you can't avoid the idea is if so a person would ask but then suppose a person is now a wise man would he have this would he have this suffering in the body would he have headaches or a stomachache, or blood pressure, or heart attack, you know, things like that. So, very often people ask this question, why should Swamiji have heart attack? Why should Swamiji have blood pressure? You would expect that the body of a Swami must be different from any other body, you know, never it should not happen to his body. So, somebody asks Swami: oh, Swamiji, why such and such Swamiji has heart attack? Simple, because he has heart. Why is there blood pressure? Because he has blood. So, when blood is there, blood pressure will be there. When heart is there, heart attack will be there, you know, because that is the nature of heart to be attacked. It is nature of blood to be under pressure. And so, as long as bodies are, whoever's body it is, whether it is the body of a wise man or an ignorant person, these afflictions are inherent. It is true that some of the afflictions that are created on account of mind, true that the state of mind also has its reflection upon the body. And therefore, if there are many anxieties and conflicts and difficulties in the mind, that they may also get reflected or, you know, manifest in the conditions of the body. But even if the mind is perfect, suppose there is no conflict in the mind, even if a person is happy and cheerful all the time, then also the body will grow old. You can't help it. Then also the hair will be gray. Then also the tooth will fall. And so these things will happen regardless of whether the person's mind is cheerful or not, because it is the nature of body, it follows its own laws. This is what we call prarabdha or destiny. And therefore, whatever one difficulties or pain or suffering one has to go through, one will go through, regardless of whether one is wise or not. And therefore, the author makes it a point here that these afflictions are there. If we find them, we should not associate wisdom with lack of affliction. That's all the idea is. We should not associate wisdom with any bodily qualities. Or with some behavioural pattern we should not necessarily associate uh, wisdom. And that's why he said that when the body is these afflictions are going to be there because they are inherent. Tatra Dristanta just to show this inherent the nature of inherence, several illustrations are given in the verse two hundred and twenty eight by the author. Tantor viu jay the patahe, Tantor viu jay the patahe, Valle bihkambalo yatha, Valle bihkambalo yatha, Brudho katastha de ha, Tanto ho viujjeta pataha Tanto means thread, pataha means cloth. How there cannot be cloth without the thread? Meaning, this thread is something that is inherent in the cloth. Without the thread, cloth cannot be. Remove the thread, there is no cloth. Vale kambalo yatha. Kambala means a blanket. Vale like the wool. So how the wool is that which is inherent in the blanket? Remove the wool, there is no blanket. And also, the mud means the clay. If you ghatah, if you remove the uh, clay from the pot, then there cannot be pot. So, just as clay is something that is inherent or unavoidable with reference to pot, just as thread is inherent or unavoidable with reference to cloth. Or just as wool is inherent or unavoidable with reference to a blanket. Well, not the modern blanket, the olden blankets, okay? In olden days, blankets were made of wool. Not today. Today you don't find wool anywhere. Today the blankets are also made of some synthetic material and so forth. This is an old example. Jvare bhyo piti dhrushyadam. Deha jvare bhyo na and Similarly, also, this body cannot be separated from the jvara of the afflictions. Just as a part cannot be separated from clay, just as a cloth cannot be separated from uh, the thread, just as a blanket cannot be separated from wool, and so also body cannot be separated from the afflictions. It is a natural inherent. That's the idea. <coughs> So, where are these afflictions? They are all in the body, understand? The gross body, subtle body, and the causal body. That is where these afflictions or pains are. That's all. (coughs) They are not in the self, nor they are even in the ego. Matter of fact, even the ego, the ahankara, there is no affliction. The affliction is because it will be explained. Only when I am identified with the body that I feel that there are afflictions in me. Otherwise, Inherently, the afflictions are not there, even in the ego, which is reflected consciousness. Then what to talk of their being in the consciousness? This, this is the, this is what is said in the next verse. Idanim jvarabhavam jvarabhavam Author wants to show that how in consciousness or atma which is kutashty, which is consciousness, Javara-bham, there cannot be any affliction in the self. When even in the reflected consciousness, which is what we call ego, even there, if there are no afflictions, then what to talk of the absence of afflictions in the Atma, which is pure consciousness? And so, first, in the next verse, is shown absence of these afflictions even in reflected consciousness or the ego. In verse 229. Chidabha se kopi, chidābhāse swatah kopi, jvaro nāstiyatas chidah, jvaro nāstiyatas chidah, prakāśaikasvabhāvatvam, prakāśaikasvabhāvatvam, eva drushtam na cetarat, eva drushtam na cetarat, Chidabhasa svatah swataha kopit jharo nasti. In what we call chidabhasa, the reflected consciousness or in the ego, swataha by itself inherently kopit jharo nasti. There is no affliction at all or affection in chidabhasa, in ego or the reflected consciousness on its own account. Chidabhasa svatah swataha saridatrad gatad jharo na kopit juro vidyade. If you take merely the ego or if you take merely take the reflected consciousness without its association with these three bodies with the gross body, subtle body and the causal body without association with them if you take purely the reflected consciousness or chidavasa, then you find that there is no affliction in Chidavasa or reflected consciousness or the ego Why is it so? Yataha chitaha prakashekasubhavatvam eva drashtam because what is the true nature of ch- ego? Ego as we have been saying is comparable to reflection. So here is image and reflection. Image is the real self which is called kutastha, the changeless. And what is the reflected consciousness? is called chilavasa, the ego. The reflected consciousness is limited because it, it reflects the limitations of the reflecting medium. This is what always happens. The reflection always is limited on account of the limitations of the reflecting medium. For example, if there is a mirror that is distorted, then my reflection also would exhibit those distortions in the mirror. Even though I am, there is no distortion in my face, but if there is a dist- there are distortions in the mirror, then the reflected face will exhibit those reflections I mean this distortions belonging to the mirror. And that's the reason why we say that the reflection is always limited by the reflecting medium. But what is the true nature of the reflection? If you even examine the true nature of the reflection, those distortions that appear in the face, that is not the real nature of the reflection. And we know that. In India, in the, in the Indian railways, in the railway trains, they have these toilets. And they have the mirrors there. So very often those mirrors, not being too expensive, very often those mirrors have waves and things like that in them. And so when you go in, look at your face in the bathroom, early morning, all of a sudden you find your face wavy. Or you find sometimes there are nose separate from the lips, you know, because that is because of distortion in the mirror. Even if you see that, you don't get alarmed. But what happened to my face? All of this did I develop a distortion overnight? You don't bother about it because you know that the distortions appearing in the face, they belong to the mirror and not to the face. And therefore, even that, if, because the true nature of the reflection is really the image. Similarly also, the true nature of this chidabhas or the reflected consciousness is what we call the kutastha or changeless consciousness. And therefore, no distortions or afflictions or affections really belong even to Chidavasya. Because, Tasatva Bhavaha. Because the true nature of the ego, the what, what is the real nature of ego? The content of ego. In the ego also, when you separate what is non self, then what is the true nature of ego? The same, the consciousness, which is ka swabhavam chit. That chit or awareness, which is purely of the nature of light or illumination, which merely shines, which is self-effulgent. that self-effulgence. So self-effulgent awareness is the true nature of even what I call the I or the ego. And therefore, and this is known to the wise people, even though it may not be experience of the ignorant people, it is the experience and knowledge of the wise people that the true nature of the ego or hankara is chit or awareness which is prakashaka svabhava, which is purely the nature of light or illumination. The illustration that they give is an interesting illustration. Imagine a frying pan in which you have poured oil. This oil is a reflecting medium. Now. In this oil the space gets reflected or the sky gets reflected in this oil. Suppose there is a big frying pan, very often they are... In India you find when there are big uh, feasts given. Then you invite these professional cooks and they set up their big fire, you know, thing outside. And the huge fire pans. are there like, I don't know, maybe three feet in diameter, huh? Huge Huge pans. they are all set up there, the oil is there and that space, the, the sky gets reflected in that oil. So in the oil you have what we call the reflected sky. Now suppose you heat this oil for the purpose of frying and this oil starts boiling or it's hot. Does that sky that is reflected in that oil, does it get bo- does it start boiling? It doesn't. Meaning that reflected sky doesn't really get affected by the heat or cold of the oil that is a reflecting medium. Suppose there is waviness in the oil, that reflected sky appears to be wavy in there, but that wave doesn't belong to the sky, it only belongs to the oil. So how the reflection, really the true nature of the reflection is only the image. And so whatever distortions which appear in the reflection those distortions really belong to the reflecting medium and not to what is reflected. Sometimes the wash basin in the water is filled and you look at your face, you can see your face in a wash basin. But if the water is, is, is moving or reflect, you know, is waving, then your face also may appear to be waving. But you know very well that that movement does not belong to a face that movement belongs to the water. And therefore the true nature of reflection is really the image. And here also, what we call ego, or what is called Chidabhasa, reflected consciousness, what is the true nature of the reflected consciousness? The consciousness itself, which is changeless. And if there is a sense of limitation that is experienced in the ego, that limitation belongs where? In the reflecting medium, which is the mind. The mind is restless, therefore the ego appears to be restless. The mind is limited, so the ego appears to be limited. The mind is. Uh, Whatever, happy and happy, etc., the ego so appears. But then all those changes belong to the reflecting medium, called the mind. And what is reflected, namely, Kutastha or the awareness that is changeless, that ever remains, uh, that remains always the nature of that reflection. <clears throat> and therefore, the point is that these afflictions or the pains occurring in the gross, subtle, the causal bodies do not even belong to the ego. Do not even belong to the Chidabhasa because the true nature of the ego of the Chidabhasa is the changeless awareness. <clears throat> Why did you make this point? Why did you have to make a point to say that even the ego does not have any in any any afflictions? <inaudible> the purpose for which it was said in the earlier verse. That there is a total absence of afflictions in the ego, or the Chidabhasa. Why was it said? That purpose for saying that is being explained in the next verse 230. <clears throat> chidabhasa Pisambhavya. Chidabhasa Pisambhavya. Jvarasa Katha. Jvarasa Katha. Evamapi katam, mene. Evamapi Chidabha so heavy Chidabha so heavy dear. Chidabha sebi, a samhavi ha juraha. Sakshani kagatam. Yet there's some chidabha sebi, juraha, and a samhavi in the. Tarana sakshani samhondi. The, the idea is that even in the reflected consciousness, if there are no afflictions, even if in ego also there are no afflictions, really speaking, then what to say that in the self which is changeless awareness, that there are no afflictions, what to say? Just as we say that even that the sky that is reflected in the oil, even that doesn't boil, then what to talk of the sky that is being reflected? that it is, it totally remains unaffected by what is there in the reflecting medium namely the oil. And similarly also that kutastha or the awareness of the self is changeless, that it remains totally unaffected by various afflictions that belong to the mind and the body, that is totally because, what to talk of that because it is only sakshi or the witness which ever remains unaffected by what is witnessed. If you say that there are no afflictions or no suffering either in the ego or in the self, then why does everyone keep on saying, I'm suffering? I'm in pain. Swami, I'm in pain. Swami, I'm restless. Swami, I'm suffering. You know, that's even, everybody says that. Why do people say that? If in fact, even in the eye or the ego also, there should be no suffering, and there is no question of any suffering in the self, which is awareness, then why do people keep on saying that I am unhappy, I am suffering, I am in pain, etc. It says, in the second line of verse 230, it said, evam api, ekata amene, chila api, in spite of the fact that there should be no affliction in the self, even then, avidyaya on account of ignorance, Chirabasaha ekata mene. on account of ignorance, meaning on account of the aviveka non-discrimination. The ignorance of the self always results into what we call the error or the non-discrimination. The ignorance of the rope results into the error of taking the rope to be a snake. Similarly, also the ignorance of the true nature of the self, which is as we say, the witness consciousness. Not knowing the true nature. I take myself to the body, I take myself to the mind. And therefore, on account of the lack of discrimination between the self and the non-self, the ignorant person feels that I am suffering, whereas in fact it is a body that is suffering. Suffering that belongs to one place, are superimposed upon elsewhere, and that is how we have this conclusion, Aham Jaraming. That is being explained in the next Ekatam Mene Di Pena Prapanchayati. Ekatam Mene That he believes that there is oneness or he superimposes the oneness between the self and the body. So that is Prapanchayati. That is being explained in the next verse, verse 231. Sakshya Madhyasya साक्षी सत्यत्व मध्यस्य स्वेनो पैते वपुष्ट्रये स्वेनो पैते वपुष्ट्रये तत्सर्वं वास्तवं स्वस्ये तत्सर्वं वास्तवं स्वस्ये स्वरूपमिति मन्यते स्वरूपमिति Tat sarvam vasthuam swastya srupam iti manyate. Svena upede is vapustrayam. This vapustrayam, these threefold bodies, the gross, subtle and the causal bodies, which the ego has, the ego is associated with these threefold bodies, the gross, subtle and the causal. So chitavasa svena sahide. Shari Ratray, Sakshi Satyatvam adhyasya. The reality belongs to Sakshi, the reality belongs to the witness that is consciousness. And that reality which belongs to the witness consciousness is superimposed upon three bodies Tatsuram, Jaravas, Shari Ratrayam, Svastivastam Rubam, Manyatei, So this ego. On account of not being able to discriminate between the self and the non-self, superimpose the attribute of one upon the other. Go back to the example of the rope and the snake, that where there there is lying a piece of rope, and when I do not know it as rope, then I take it to be a snake. So what happens? There is a mutual superimposition here. So I think that the snake is real, and that's the reason why there is fear in me, and there is perhaps an activity of running away from that. So when that snake causes in me a fear and also a desire to run away from there, why is it so? Because I think that it is a real snake. If I knew that it is a false snake, I wouldn't run away from it, I would not have fear from it. But the fact that I am afraid of a snake and that I am going to run away from it is because I think that the snake is real. And what is real is a rope. Really what is there is rope. But the reality that belongs to the rope is superimposed upon the snake and I take the snake to be real. And, all this poison etc. which belongs to the snake is superimposed upon the rope and I think that there is a real snake there which is poisonous, which is frightening and which is dangerous. And that is how I am afraid and I decide to run away from that. So, this is what happens. I mean, imagine yourself watching a movie for example and you are so absorbed in the movie and if in the movie there is a tragedy and the actor there or the hero there is supposed crying because of pain or suffering, we get so identified with that movie that we, the tears start rolling from our own eyes also. That's very common occurrence that we get so identified with those we are watching that we also suffer, you know, sympathetic suffering happens or a sympathetic reaction happens in us. So what happens? What belongs there has been superimposed here there is something going on in the, on the movie screen and I superimpose that upon I who is totally distinct. I am spectator, or totally unconnected or unrelated to what's going on there and still that suffering which takes place on the movie screen is superimposed upon the I and I experience the same sense of suffering. I think that I am suffering that pain. In fact that fellow is suffering there. Perhaps somebody is torturing him and I feel tortured. Perhaps he lost his wife and I feel I have lost it. Perhaps he lost his, you know, money. I think I have lost it. All but contrary also. When that fellow wins the lottery and is happy, I feel happy here as though I have won the lottery. So how the pleasure and pain of suffering and otherwise occurring on a movie screen, how they are superimposed upon the spectator who is unconnected with it and how I also sympathetically suffer those things. Similarly also, In fact, the afflictions belong to this body, belong to the mind. The mind also is something that is perceptible to me. In fact, I am aware of the states of mind. So even when this fellow says, I am restless, we ask him, how do you say that you are restless? I know I am restless. How do you say you are restless? My mind is restless. That means you know that it is your mind that is restless. And the one who knows the mind has to be different from the mind the knower must be necessarily different from the known and so when i say that i am restless in fact what's happening the restlessness that belongs to the mind is superimposed upon i who is a witness of that mind i say i'm happy same thing happiness is a state of mind i am the witness of that state of mind And I superimpose that happiness which belongs to the mind upon the eye, and there is a conclusion I am happy. So this is how this conclusion is born. Because the body is inert, body cannot say that I am suffering. And the self which is changeless also cannot suffer because suffering cannot touch that. Now who says I am suffering? This third entity, which is what we call ego, which is which is an entity that arises on account of identification with the non-self. And that's the reason why the suffering that belongs to the mind, I take it upon myself. The pain that belongs to the body, I take it upon myself. And the reality that exists, the reality that obtains an I, that reality is superimposed upon the body, and therefore I take the body to be the self. I think that body I am. How do I feel that? Even though the body is something known to me, even the body is something that is an object of knowledge, and that which is known to me must be different from me. Just as a desk is something known to me, and therefore it is different from me, and so also this body is something that is known to me, felt by me, perceived by me, and therefore must be different from me. And even then, I take the body to be I. That shows that the reality that belongs to the I is so upon the body, and there arises the notion I am the body, I am the mind. And when I say that, the afflictions that belong to the body and the mind automatically become my afflictions. And then I say that, I am suffering, I am afflicted and whatever. So, sakshigatam satyatvam, the reality that belongs to a sakshi. So, svena sahite shariratre adhyasya, that's the reality that belongs to the Sakshi of the Self, is superimposed upon the body, upon the mind, which is non-self, and then he says that, I am the body, I am the mind, and he declares himself to be suffering. The suffering that belongs to the body is taken to be suffering belonging to the Self. And that's how one says, I am suffering, I am in pain, or whatever. Evam <clears> Jnana Kim Bhavati. <throat> Same thing is said in the verse 232. Suppose there is bhanti, suppose there is this delusion, then delusion meaning superimposition. What belongs to one is superimposed upon the other. What belongs to the movie screen is superimposed upon I who is expected What belongs to a rope is superimposed upon the snake. What belongs to a non-self, superimposed upon the self. What belongs to self, superimposed upon the non-self. By this superimposition bhanti or delusion, what happens? That is being said in the verse 232. Ethusmin bhantikale yum. Ethusmin bhantikale yum. Shariere should jurats of her. Shariere should jurats of her. Swayame vajurami Swayame vajurami ti. Manyate he couldum Manyate he couldum E tasmin bhranti kaale shari Reshu jvaratsu atas jvaramiti manyate. And so when this bhranti is there, when this delusion is there, I am this cita this ego, asyam bhranti velayam. At the time of this bhranti or at the time of this superimposition or delusion, shari resistam jvaram svatmani aaropayati. In fact, jvaram of the affliction that belongs to the body, he superimposes upon himself. He gives his own illustration. kutumbivata Like Kutumbi, like a, like a member of the family, like my relatives. So what happens to a relative very often happens to me. Our illustration was a movie. What happens to the movie? It's superimposed upon the I and how I also suffer sympathetically. So what belongs to the body and the mind? That is superimposed upon the I and I think that I am suffering. <coughs> that illustration... Is explained in verse 233. Putradare shoot up yet so. Putradare shoot up Manyate so. Tapa me Manyate purushas tadvada. Manyate See here, putradaresu tapyatsu, where is the man? He has families, wife, children, putradaresu tapyatsu, very often it happens. I am so much attached to the child, that when something happens to my child, and this happens very often to mothers, then the child falls ill, there is so much attachment to the child that mother also falls ill. This I have observed, the child has fever, the mother starts having fever. Sometimes the child fails examination, the father feels that he has failed. He suffers the same pain. Or the child is successful, you know, he has passed with first rank or something. The father feels that he has passed as though, because there is such an amount of identification. On account of identification of close relatives such as wife, children, brother or whatever. When some suffering is there, I feel that suffering. When some fear is there, I feel that fear. When some pain is there, I feel that pain. That is our experience. Why should it be? When something happens to a child, why should something happen to me? I am a totally different person. A child that has a fever, I should not have fever. Child that has failed, I haven't failed, is having pain, I don't have pain. And still, I seem to feel that pain. Even though apparently there is no relationship, but still there is a relationship. What's the relationship? That is called identification. On account of identification of the child. Putra dāreshu <clears> tapyatsu. <throat> when putra meaning son, dāra meaning wife, tapyatsu, when they are suffering, tapami, iti vṛtha yatha, this fellow says, ah, I am suffering. Iti yatha vṛtha, just as, that is vṛtha meaning false. That suffering that I feel, which is sympathetic to the suffering of my wife and children, is just as false. Similarly also, yatha manyate purusha, just as falsely this person takes himself to be afflicted when there are afflictions in the relatives and so also so also the ego on account of the total identification or attachment of the body the suffering of the body is taken to be his own suffering so we have to make note here that how whenever we declare that i am in pain i am suffering i am unhappy I am sad or whatever. All these statements reflect what we call aviveka or non-discrimination or identification. So whenever now there is pain in you or there is suffering, then just sit quietly and think as to who is suffering. Where is this pain? Where is this suffering? You will find that the suffering is in body. Okay, fine. Who am I? I am the one who is witness of the body. Isn't body something that is known to me? See that feeling of pain will not go. But at least whatever that pain causes in terms of fear, in terms of anxiety, all of that do not belong to I. Suppose the mind has some afflictions, there is anger, there is, there is sadness, and all this happens to the mind, I find myself sad, then I should sit and wait, I mean I should sit and reflect. Where is the sadness? I'll find that sadness is in mind. It is a state of mind. Who am I? I am the witness of the sadness. Where is anger? In the mind, I am the witness of the anger. Somebody insults me. Where is insult? Again in the intellect, I am the witness of that. Somebody praises me. Where is that praise? Again in the mind, I am the witness of that. What happens is, I love praise, and that's the reason why I have to suffer the dishonor. If I disassociate myself from honor, knowing that the honor also belongs to the mind, then I can equally disassociate with the dishonor. If I can disassociate with the happiness, I can disassociate with the unhappiness also. If I can disassociate with pleasure, I can disassociate with pain. That pleasure and pain both belong to mind. Honor and dishonor both belong to intellect. Heat and cold both belong to the body and I am always the witness of this, I am distinct from them. If this discrimination is constantly carried out, then we will not be swept in the current of this body. Otherwise on account of identification, we also are swept along the current of the body, current of the mind and to be able to remain free, this discrimination is necessary. And that discrimination is something natural or spontaneous in wise men. For a seeker, it is something that is deliberate. But then, for a wise man, it is something that is natural or spontaneous. evam aveveka daśāyam cidābhāsasya bhrāntya jvaram Pradarsya viveka daśāyam abhāvam darsayati. Thus the author has shown. How aviveka daśayam, in the state of aviveka or this non-discrimination or ignorance, chidābhāsasya bhāntya dvaram kadarsya, that is individual of the ego, feels his afflictions only on account of ignorance. Viveka daśayam tad abhavam Now next verse shows how when there is this discrimination, then there is an absence of suffering. Not absence of pain, absence of suffering. I am hurt that hurt is a reaction insult is a happening and who is insulted the body may be insulted because perhaps it doesn't meet up to certain standard perhaps somebody calls me stupid that belongs where? to the intellect that I am not intelligent enough somebody calls me dull somebody calls me stupid somebody calls me whatever in fact all of these qualifications belong where? They belong to the mind or they belong to intellect somebody calls me ugly okay where does it belong that belongs to the body and so these things are unavoidable whenever we are when we are in contact with the world this kind of things are perhaps unavoidable the positive and the negative things will keep on happening but for the one who discriminates between the self and the non-self that one knows that the, the heat and cold the pleasure and pain, the honor and dishonor, all these pairs of opposites belong to the three bodies. They belong to the gross, subtle, causal bodies. They do not belong to the self, the I, who is the witness. <coughs> so when there is viveka, all this discrimination, then there is jvara-abhavah, there is absence of jvara, absence of afflictions, absence of suffering. that in the mind there is honor or dishonor, that also cannot be avoided because that is also what the destiny brings to you. Destiny brings to you honor and dishonor. Destiny brings to you comfort and discomfort. Destiny brings to you pleasure and pain. That destiny will keep on bringing. But then on account of identification, I feel that I am pleased, I am honored, I am dishonored and this link has to be broken. What actually connects the self with the body is ignorance and the aviveka, non-discrimination. That becomes a link between the self that is changeless and body that is being afflicted. And when that link is broken, then what happens at the level of the upadi does not affect the self. And thus, in viveka, when there is discrimination, there is absence of these afflictions. That is being shown in the verse 234. viviccya-bhrāntya-mujjitvā, viviccya-bhrāntya-mujjitvā, svama-pya-gana-yansadā, svama-pya-gana-yansadā, cintayan sākṣṇam svama kasmār, Chintayan sākṣṇam Shari manu śarīra-manu-sanjvarīra, śarīra-manu-sanjvarīra. means thus discriminating between the self and the non-self thus when we clearly know the distinction between the self and the non-self when clearly see this distinction that the body is non-self something that is known to me something that is experienced by me mind also is non-self something that is known to me. The intellect also is non-self. And thus, when this discrimination is there, discriminating knowledge is there, discrimination between the self and the non-self, <coughs> chidabhāsah, this ego, kūtastham svātmānam śarīrāṇish vivicca. On one hand, is I, the self, which is kutas, the changeless, and there is, other, on the other hand, the sharira, the body which is non-self, viviccha bhaideyna jñātvā. Knowing them as distinct entity, the witness and what is witnessed, the knower and the known, knowing them distinctly as different from each other. Tatsaram vāstavam svasca rūpam iti manyateja uttām bhrāntim Therefore, so far I was entertaining this delusion that this body is I, or the mind is I, or the intellect is I. And when I know the distinction between the I and this body, mind, intellect, then that bhānti, that I am this body, I am the mind, that bhānti of the delusion, having given up, swam api sada, svasya abhāvaswaru abhāvu katva jñānana, swasmin akurvan. And interestingly enough, this ego says, then I am also false. The ego knows its own falsehood. The ego knows that my true nature is kutastha, or the changeless awareness. And that I find myself, the sense of, limit, limit, sense of individuality that I seem to experience, the sense of limitation that I seem to experience, that I am an experiencer, that I am a doer, that I am an enjoyer, that I am a waker, that I am a dreamer. All these are, in fact, roles alone. That is not I. So the wise man knows that I am not the waker, I am not the dreamer, I am not the doer, I am not the enjoyer, that a doership, enjoyership, waking, dreaming, all of these are roles. All of these belong to the role of the upadi, they do not belong to I. And therefore the wise man knows that even I as an individual, this also is false. My true nature is only Kutasta, the awareness alone. And therefore Swamapi Sada. He doesn't have be adaram akurvan, without having any kind of regard for his own self. Meaning, having any giving without giving any reality to his sense of individuality. So, wise man who constantly discriminates between the self and the non-self, and therefore knows his body, mind, intellect as distinct from the self, and therefore also knows that formally on account of identification, the body, mind, intellect, that I had this sense that I was suffering. And now I know that I as an individual also, in fact, is false, because my true nature is only kutastha, or the changeless awareness. And therefore, Svasminnapi ādharam without showing, giving, assigning any reality to his own self, to the sense of individuality, nijam rūpam sada and all the time, what does he think of? Or what does he contemplate upon? svastya nijam rupam That what is my true nature? By true nature, I am merely the witness who is free from any suffering, any inflictions. Sadha constantly he only abides in the knowledge of the self that is free from all afflictions, all suffering. So, here the author is giving us the kind of process that is taking place in the mind of the wise man. That uh, apparently everything is the same. But where is the difference? Difference is between viveka and aviveka. The discrimination and non-discrimination. An ignorant person is characterized by absence of viveka or discrimination. A wise man is characterized by viveka or discrimination. Therefore, wise man knows that All of these are merely roles. That I am a seer, hearer, thinker, eater, drinker, actor, experiencer. All of these are also just the roles. What is my true nature? I am the one who is merely of the nature of presence. I am the one who is merely of the nature of awareness. That illumines all the activities of the body, mind and intellect. Without participating in any one of them. So I am just of the nature of awareness. Which is silent which is present. And thus, he constantly, his his attention, is focused upon, constantly focused upon, that self, which is changeless, which is merely, which is silent, which is free from any afflictions. And therefore, he does not give reality even, to the sense of individuality. (coughs) And thus, when the mind is always focused upon, that true self, Anu 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 sanjvareth. Na sanjvareth eva how can that wise man then suffer along with the body? That suffering occurs because of identification with the body. When the body suffers, I suffer because of my identification with the body. When that identification is not there, how can the wise man suffer? Suppose there is a critic of the movie and he is sitting and watching the movie and he always remembers that he is a critic, he is a spectator. And what is all going on in the movie is only in the movie. There is pleasure, pain, tragedy, comedy, success, failure, all kinds of drama is going on there in the movie. And how the one who remembers that he is a spectator remains totally free from any afflictions that these various situations in the movie can cause and similarly also the wise man is ever aware of his identity as a self, that is changeless awareness, that is silent awareness, in presence of which everything is going on. And therefore, when that identification is not there, there is no suffering as such. Pain, yes, because it is something that happens to the body. Insult, yes, because that is something that happens to the mind. But reaction, no. Suffering, no. No. Hurt, no. Guilt, no. An ignorant person feels hurt when he is not treated properly. And I feel guilty when I fail to do something which I should have been doing. So constantly in our mind, this feeling of hurt and guilt constantly arise. We are hurt again and again because we feel that we are not treated properly. We find ourselves guilty because we think that we are not able to live up to our values. This hurt and guilt arises on account of identification with my mind. And that the wise man does not have. There is no hurt, there is no guilt, there is no suffering, there is no affliction, knowing fully well that these afflictions belong only to the body, to the body. And therefore, Shariram Anusanjoreth. This is the last line. Kimichan Kasya Kamaya Shariram why should he suffer along with the body? He doesn't suffer along with the body. Meaning, he does not take the suffering of the body as his suffering. <coughs> that is being clarified in the verse 35. Jnana jnana How when there is bhanti or delusion that there is suffering, and how there is knowledge or discrimination that there is absence of suffering is being shown by an illustration in the verse 235. Ayathāvastu sarpādi, vastu sarpādi, jñānam he palayane, jñānam he tuppalāyane, rajyujjñāne hidhī dhvastav, rajyujjñāne hidhī dhvastav, Kirtam appyanusho chadi. Kirtam appyanusho chadi. Ayatha, we already discussed this illustration. Ayatha vasthu sarpadi jnanam palayane hetuhu. Rajyado kalpitasya sarpadei jnanam palayane karanambhavadi. When there is a rope, and suppose you superimpose a snake upon that rope, then the knowledge of a snake becomes a cause for palayanam, a desire to run away from there. Because then there is fear, and then there is shaking, and there is all kinds of reactions happen in me when I think that there is really a snake. What is really there is only a rope, but then I take it to be a snake, and then the reality that belongs to the rope is superimposed upon the snake, and I conclude that there is really a snake, and therefore, there is in me this fear. I am frightened. Another famous illustration given in Vedanta is, where there is in fact a stump of tree. I think that there is a thief. Sometimes it happens when you are returning from perhaps after watching a you know movie, late night movie in the theater which is maybe five miles away from your own village and you are walking back. This happens very common. Sometimes people go to watch a movie in a a theater which is located a few miles away and they are returning at twelve thirty or one o'clock at night if the fellow is alone, definitely he is scared, you know, because he is walking on the roads that are, you know, there are narrow streets which are lonely. And very often walking through the fields and walking through those narrow, you know, the uh, passages. And then there is a fear. Already he's scared that somebody may be there, something may be there. Because people always all kinds of uh, superstition. There on certain tree there is a ghost and here there is something, you know. And this person who is scared might see just a stump of tree. With couple of branches just projecting out, and he always he thinks all of a sudden there is a ghost here, which is actually with his hands, you know, the ghost with the arms outstretched. That's what he sees there, because he superimposes a ghost where in fact there is only a stump of tree. And he's scared. He runs away. He can't even scream sometimes. Person even faints, and when he woke up, wakes up in the next morning when the people are passing by, what happened to you? So there is a ghost and he sees that there is only a stump of tree, there is no ghost there. But then, when you superimpose this ghost or a thief or somebody, sometimes this happens in our own home also, so there is something lying there and all of a sudden you feel that there is some person standing there, and you get scared, scream. And so, how does that screaming etc. happen? Because we, there is Abhiveka, non-discrimination, there is a superimposition of something which is not there. So, wherever there is this superimposition of then all kinds of afflictions, suffering, etc. happen. And then, then, when you realize next morning, hey, this is only a stump of tree, I got so scared of it. And all you feel really you feel what? Anushochadi. He really regrets that he felt like this. That last night I thought there was a snake. Next morning you go there and you find that it's a piece of rope. Then you realize that it was a rope that you had to be st- taken to be a snake and you were so scared. Then you really feel, you don't, perhaps you feel stupid also, but Anusha Chadi, he really regrets. He really regrets that he, uh, he repents. How unfortunate it is that I took this object to be a snake. That I was scared, that I ran away, that I screamed if you saw, this was all the wrong thing done or something done by me in vain. <coughs> Thus, when there is viveka or discrimination, there is no fear. When non-discrimination is there, there is fear and suffering. There is discrimination between the self and the non-self, there is no suffering in the wise man. On account of lack of discrimination, identification of the body, there is suffering in an ignorant person. So it is a knowledge and ignorance that makes all the difference. Idea is all the suffering in life, which is what we call the sadness, and of all of that is product of ignorance, which brings about avyakta non-discrimination. And only when the ignorance goes away, that the non-discrimination also goes, and that one becomes totally free from suffering in life. That's the only difference between a wise and an otherwise person. Otherwise person, ignorant person, is suffering, and wise person is free from suffering that is a major dif- main difference between the two <coughs> om purna madap purna midam puranaat puranamadachare puranasya puranamadaya o shanti 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 shankaram Shankaracharyam chariyam keshavam vadarayanam sutra bhashya krutau vanne bhagavanta punah murti Dakshinamurtaya namaha Om Namaha